Good morning from the newsroom of the Financial Times. Today is Friday, February 28th, and this is your FT News Briefing. The coronavirus has killed thousands and is rapidly spreading to other parts of the globe. The outbreak has closed down businesses, forced cities into lockdown, and incited fears of a slowdown in global growth. I'm Mark Filipino, and we're doing something a little different in today's episode. We'll be looking at the financial fallout of the outbreak, starting with a sell-off that put U.S. stocks in correction territory yesterday. The S&P 500 suffered its worst day since August 2011 on Thursday, closing more than 4% lower. The drop took declines from a peak last week to more than the 10% which traders define as a correction. And it came as governments took some of their most aggressive steps yet to contain the outbreak. Japan announced that starting Monday, it would shut schools for more than a month. And Saudi Arabia halted the entry of Muslim pilgrims intending to visit the holy cities of Mecca and Medina. Meanwhile, crippling demand for oil sent the price of Brent crude even lower in Thursday trading. The benchmark dropped to less than $52 a barrel. Prices had been trading as high as $70 a barrel as recently as early January. And with crude prices falling, Saudi Arabia is pushing for a substantial cut in oil production when it meets with OPEC and its allies next week. The FT has exclusively reported that the kingdom is asking producers, including Russia, to sign up to a collective production cut of an additional 1 million barrels a day. That's according to five people familiar with the talks. Earlier this month, members of the alliance recommended reducing production by 600,000 barrels a day in an effort to balance the market. But that was before the coronavirus had spread far beyond China's borders. Now, oil traders fear demand will be significantly curtailed if Western governments impose further lockdowns in towns and cities affected by outbreaks. China's own consumption slumped by about a quarter earlier this month. That was during the peak of the country's quarantines and travel restrictions. Under the kingdom's new proposal, Saudi Arabia would account for the bulk of the new cut. Kuwait, the United Arab Emirates, and Russia would split the rest. But the deal has not been agreed, and Russia was still reluctant to participate in a substantial cut. Last weekend, the president of China, Xi Jinping, talked about steps to recover in the wake of coronavirus-related closures. He gave a lot of instructions on fighting the virus, but also he really stressed the need to to get back to work for China. That's the FT's Ryan McMurrow in Beijing. China is the world's factory, and the prolonged shutdown here really kind of jeopardizes that and and shows the world that maybe concentration of all supply chains in China is not such a great idea. A lot of the businesses remain closed, and it's really totally disrupted the normal flow of business. But businesses, especially those on the east coast of China, are doing everything they can to get workers back to their jobs. Those migrant workers that are all trapped in inner China They need to get back to their coastal cities, but there's various restrictions on their free travel. Regular transport isn't working very well because there's so many forms of transport that have been shut down or curtailed. So various factories have started busing workers back to their factories. And cities have started paying for workers' tickets, even chartering airplanes, trying to get all these workers back on the job. And while production is slowly ramping up, it will take some time for things to get back to normal. Earlier this week, Chinese officials said that only 30 percent of the country's small and medium-sized businesses have reopened. And so for these intricate supply chains, if you're missing one component, that can cause large problems. So there's problems throughout the supply chain with some factories not being able to come back online. So it's really going to be a long process. 
and especially because the whole province of Hubei in the center of the country still remains under lockdown. And that's a, a main area for car part and other auto production. But even as there are signs that the panic levels in China are subsiding slightly, the level of concern in global markets is rising significantly. And as the FT's Jillian Tet points out, this fear is compounding. In a sense, the real problem right now is not so much the fear of the coronavirus, but also the fear of the fear. And the fact that as markets have slid, people have become more concerned, and you're likely to see all kinds of investment plans and spending plans put on hold, which of course has the ability to really undermine the global economy. Jillian, what about trade? We just heard from Ryan McMurrow in Beijing that China is trying to get back to speed. But how can we expect the outbreak to further affect global business? Obviously, a sudden cessation of trade will have a big impact on supply chains, and that could hurt the economy. It's possible that if the cessation in trade was fairly short-term, then it might not be quite as bad today as it would have been a couple of years ago, because in Europe, there's been quite a lot of stockpiling linked to Brexit. And in the US, the US-China trade war has forced a lot of big American companies to already do a big overhaul of their supply chains and examine them in detail and in a granular way they hadn't done before and to create all kinds of contingency plans. So the concept of borders suddenly being shut with China is something which boards in America have been forced to think about in an entirely different context. But just because the shock is slightly cushioned, it doesn't prevent it from being a shock. Right. I mean, just in the last two weeks, we saw Microsoft and Apple revise their guidance uh, for the for the current quarter based on what's happening in supply chains. Um, Jillian, I want to go way back to 2003 when the SARS outbreak happened. A lot of people compare the SARS outbreak to what's happening now with the coronavirus. But during the SARS outbreak nearly 20 years ago, China didn't play as big a role in the global economy as it does now. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? In practical terms, if you look back at SARS, what's striking about the SARS episode was that there was really quite a sharp reaction that continued for some time in terms of the global stock markets. And there was obviously a notable death rate there. But the, the pandemic was brought under control. And it was quite noticeable that the initial reaction in stock markets to what was happening with the coronavirus was actually not nearly as dramatic as what happened with SARS. That prompted a number of analysts to say that actually worse was to come in terms of the stock market reaction, which we have indeed now seen. But the honest truth is the only type of episodes that economists have to use in terms of modelling the impact are SARS, which was at a time when China was smaller, Ebola, but that was really a very small localised problem in Africa for the most part, or else you have to go back to much more scary concepts or experiences like the great flu pandemic of the early part of the 20th century. So we don't really know where we're heading with this. And that, of course, is one reason why investors and business leaders are so concerned. And Jillian, we've been in a prolonged period of economic expansion, and some say that we're due for a correction. Could the coronavirus be the thing that pushes the economy to that point? There's been a lot of predictions from experienced observers of the stock markets and bond markets for a while that there was going to be a tipping point when the extraordinary 
run up in asset prices we've seen would come to an end. And what we know from financial history is that when tipping points occur in the financial markets, they don't usually occur slowly and stealthily. They often occur with a great big shock, a so-called Minsky moment, to cite the phrase often used. So is this going to be the Minsky moment for the asset markets? Well, like all Minsky moments, it's not clear until it actually is. My suspicion is that the central banks will do everything they can to keep asset prices pretty high. So we can expect to see probably more easing from the Federal Reserve and even from the ECB, where, of course, rates are already negative. Markets are actually pricing in two rates cuts from the Fed now, um, around 50 basis points, which is actually rather more than they were pricing in a month ago. But a point will come when central banks really can't do a lot more to keep pumping up asset prices in the face of fear. And then the question will be whether governments can operate in a coordinated way through fiscal spending to actually try and keep the economies afloat and to stave off the fear factor. And frankly, looking at the level of coordination, or rather lack of it across the Western world today, placing your bet on that to keep asset markets afloat would be a rather bold bet indeed. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back next week for the latest business news. The FT News Briefing is produced by Amy Keene and me, Mark Filipino. Our editor is Amelia Mahasik. We also had help from Persis Love, Gavin Kalman, and Michael Bruning. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.